Hello and welcome to Mr. President from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. By transcription. You can tell the newspapers that my wife and I are of the opinion that the president should live nowhere but in the executive mansion. Mr. President, starring Edward Arnold and written by Gene Holloway. Mr. President, at home in the White House, the elected leader of our people, our fellow citizen and neighbor. These are little-known stories of the men who've lived in the White House. Dramatic, exciting events in their lives that you and I so rarely hear. True human stories of Mr. President. We'll bring you Edward Arnold as Mr. President in just a moment. But first, let's take a look at the men who've lived at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue in Washington, D.C., one of the most famous residences in the world. The men who live there are tenants with a four-year lease, our presidents. A national election makes a man a president. But what makes a president a man? It's the little things he brings to his job, his habits, opinions, hobbies, his mood across the breakfast table. There's a human side to the highest office in the land, You'll find it in the story of Woodrow Wilson's old-fashioned typewriter and Teddy Roosevelt's Indian clubs, which must have improved his grip because he shook hands with several thousand people one New Year's Day. This sort of personal history reveals the man, and that's what our Mr. President series tries to present. Listen now and see if you can name the president upon whom this episode is based. Here's a story that happened in Washington a few years ago. Listen closely and see if you can tell who the president was. Mr. President, there's been a lot of conversation lately about the executive mansion. I'm sure you find it inadequate for a family of your size, and uh, as you undoubtedly know, the newspapers have been saying that you plan to live elsewhere. That's not true. You can tell the newspapers that my wife and I are of the opinion that the president should live nowhere but in the executive mansion. I must say it is in bad condition, though. The plumbing is absolutely beyond description. And this morning, the boys found several rats in the dining room. Oh, well, uh, something certainly has to be done. Mm, we haven't had a chance to get, her, uh, about get our bearings yet. Give us a few days to look around. We'll have a better idea about just what plans to make. But one thing is positive. This is where we're going to live. You know, running a family your size would be a full-time job for most people. To run the country at the same time is going to be quite a feat. Well, the older children are at school. The only real problem we have right now is the youngest one and his friends. <laughs> well, boys will be boys. Yes, and we wouldn't want them to be anything else, would we, my dear? Of course we wouldn't. Well, I must get back to the Senate now, but let me know if there's anything I can do. I certainly will. Good day. Good day. Speaking of our youngest, Mr. President, those boys are quite a handful right now. Well, you leave the boys to me. You concentrate on what has to be done to this house. I'll take care of the boys. Do you mean of that? Of course I mean it. 
You leave them to me for the next few days. But you're so busy with the country. I can manage the country and the boys. Don't you give it another thought. My son is a chip off the old block. I can handle him and his gang. All right, Mr. President. I leave them to you. Boys, where are you going? I'm going in to see Father again. At this time of day? Well, this is a busy hour for him. He sent for us, Mother. Oh, I see. What did you do this time? We don't know. Do we, fellas? No, we don't know. No. Uh-huh. Well, what do you think you did? That's hard to say, Mother. Oh, sure, it could have been anything. Anything? You haven't been shooting spitballs at any of the portraits again, have you? <laughs> oh, no. Do you suppose your father wants to talk to us again about that? Well, it couldn't be that. We've already been punished for that. He wouldn't let any of you fellas come over here for a week. Maybe he's still mad. Nah. Father only punishes once for each crime. Well, what new crimes have you been up to? Well, we haven't done anything. Uh, unless he's here. Careful, Charlie. Don't say anything that might be incriminating. Yeah. <laughs> incriminating. <laughs> well, if the president sent for you, run along in and get it over with. Yes, ma'am. Come on, fellas. Come in. Come in and shut the door. Yes, Father. Now then. Boys, somebody brought a pony inside the White House and put him inside the elevator. <laughs> they did? A, a real live pony? A live pony? A pony? Yes, to all three questions. <laughs> would any of you happen to know who would do a thing like that? Son. Charlie? Tom? Me? Boys, did you do it? Uh, is that a direct question, Father? Do you know of any way I can make it a more direct question? Did you or didn't you? Uh, just a minute, Father. I want to ask the gang something. I see. Go right ahead. What day was the pony put in the elevator, Father? What does that have to do with it? Well, let me know what day the pony was put in the elevator. We'll be able to answer your question about whether we had anything to do with it. You see, on different days, different people do different things. I see. Well, the pony was put in the elevator yesterday. Just a minute, Father. What time yesterday? Oh... According to this report on my desk, it was somewhere about four o'clock in the afternoon. Just a minute, Father. We're afraid that was us, Father. May I ask whatever possessed you to put the pony in the elevator? Well, we thought he might like a ride. He wasn't doing anything at the time. He looked lonesome. Now, boys, I've told you this before, and I don't want to have to tell you this many times again. I want my son to have his friends over here, and I want him to enjoy himself. But when it comes to destroying government property, I have to draw the line. If there is any more trouble this week, I am going to have to put my son in solitary and send the rest of you into exile. You understand? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 
Yes, sir. Last week was the spitball episode. The week before, you were into the cabinets moving the heirlooms around. The week before that, you were walking through fountains with your shoes on. Well, you never told us not to take a pony in the elevator. It never occurred to me that you would take the pony in the elevator. It's very hard to be our size and no one's going to make someone your size mad, Father. No, it isn't. If you use your heads, your heads are put on your bodies to think with. Now, for heaven's sake, think with them. Now, run along, behave yourselves. Yes, Father. Yes, Mr. President. Yes, Mr. President. Oh, uh, wait a minute. Uh, tell me. <laughs> what did the pony do when you put him in the elevator? <laughs> <laughs> you should have seen him, Father. He looks so surprised when the elevator went up. Well, don't do it again. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Come on, fellas. Well, you boys go outside and play, will you? Yes, mother. I was sent for. But honest, boss, I didn't have anything to do with putting the pony in the elevator. No, well, I'm not so sure. Is that why he sent for me? No, I want oh. to talk to you about this house. Oh. Do you, do you think it's going to be practical for our family? Oh, I don't see how it can be. There's only one guest room and two bathrooms. I don't think it looks very dignified when you have guests in the library to see all the children trooping by in their night clothes to take their baths. Yes, you're right about that. Well, then, the house has to be remodeled, that's all. That's all there is to it. Will they let us do that? I don't know, but there's only one way to find out. I've sent for an architect. I want him to go over this whole house and give us a report on just what kind of condition it's in. Mr. President, I've been over this house from attic to cellar. I don't think there's a skeleton in the closet that's not familiar with me now. Mm-hmm. I see. What's your opinion, Mr. McKibben? The building is in shocking condition, Mr. President. For one thing, the offices are actually unsafe because of the weight carried by the floor beams. You don't say. There could be a fatal accident any time. As a matter of fact, I'm amazed that there hasn't been an accident before now. I had no idea you'd found out anything like that. I knew the building was in disrepair, Mr. But... President, the floors of the East Room, the Green Room, and the Blue Room have settled right down to the basement ceilings. Well, I'll be hanged. On some of the walls, there are five layers of wallpaper. No. Now, you can believe this or not, but pine partitions are built over some of the carpets. The roof drainage goes right through the house. Incidentally, there has to be a new roof. Mm -hmm. The electric wiring is defective, and in some places, the beams are actually charred from it. I see, I see. Well, we've been allotted $16,000 for White House improvements. How much will that take care of? Mr. President, that won't even take care of cleaning the building. Well, then we've got to get more money. How much would you say was needed? Well, I wouldn't be prepared to say at this moment, Mr. President. That'll take a little figuring. I have an appointment tomorrow with Senator Moore. He asked me to tell him just what was needed so it could be taken up in the Senate. Well, let me know what conclusions you reach. Yes, I will, Mr. President. I certainly feel that wings uh, must be added to the building to give us the room we need. Well, I agree with you, but the, uh, the public is very antagonistic to any thought of changing the structure of the executive mansion, you know. Yes, I know that, but the public must be made to realize that the president must have comfortable living quarters, clean living quarters, and safe living quarters. I suppose this house were to burn down with any members of foreign legations in it. Think what sort of an international incident that would create. No, sir. 
This house has to be fixed up, and the public is just going to have to accustom themselves to the idea. Mr. President, What's forgive matter? me for interrupting, mm-hmm. but are you still taking care of the boys? Now what have they done? Well, I'm not going to say that they are the guilty parties, but someone has buttered all the banisters, and I think it should be investigated. Buttered the banisters? <laughs> I was just showing several members of the French legation through the building, and you should see their white gloves. Madam, send your son to me. Of course, if you think perhaps I should handle this. I'll handle this. Send that boy and any other boys you find in here immediately. <laughs> yes, Mr. President. It isn't funny. Uh, <clears throat> yes, Mr. President. I'll send the chip off the old block into you immediately. Oh. Ah, boys. Now, tell me. Who buttered the banisters? Banisters, Father? Banisters, Mr. President. Banisters? Yes, banisters. Oh, banisters. He means the banisters, Charlie. The banisters, Tom. Uh-oh. Did you butter them or didn't you? Just a minute, Father. Well, well, come on. Uh, which banisters, Father? Never mind which banisters. Did you butter any banisters? Just a minute, Father. Oh, no. We'd have to know which banisters, Father. The main banisters in the front hall. Which day, Father? Today. Just a minute, Father. Good day, Mr. President. Good day, Mr. President. Just a minute, just a minute. Where are you guys going? We're going into exile. Yeah, exile. And I'm going into solitary. Then it was you who did it. Well, if it was our main banisters in the front hall today... Boys, would it be asking too much to ask you why you butted the banisters? No one told us not to. No one ever mentioned banisters. Or butter. That's because it never occurred to anyone that you would butter the banisters. Oh. Oh. Uh Uh-oh. Do you know you ruined the gloves of the French legation? We saw their faces, Father. We were hiding in that old... That's completely beside the point. You, uh... <laughs> Tell me something. How did their faces look? <laughs> well, the tall, fat one looked funny, no. and the tall, thin one looked bad, <laughs> and the short, fat one looked mad. <laughs> they all started talking French. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Don't tell that. You I bet they did. I wish I could have seen their faces. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, has something funny happened? Uh, no, 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 no. We were just discussing something, that's all. Father was scolding us for fluttering the banisters. Oh, was he really? Yes, and don't let it happen again. Now, Scoot, all of you, Scoot, and the next time I'll make it exile and solitary. Oh, yes, y- Mr. President. Yes, Mr. President. Come on, mates. Let's head for the open sea. Well, I'm glad that you were firm with them. Oh, I was firm with them, all right. Now then, let's, ato- let's talk about this house. Well, huh? I really haven't done much about the house the past few hours. I've been cleaning the banisters. I see. I'll make a note to see that the members of the French legation get new gloves. You know, I'm going to be anxious to hear what the Senate has to say in answer to Mr. McKim's report on the condition of this house. They've got to do something about it. They've got to do something. (laughs) 
Senator McMillan, I'm very happy to see you, sir. Well, Mr. President, I'm very happy to be able to tell you that the Senate Committee on Appropriations has agreed to pay $150,000 for repairs to the White House and $15,000 for an office building. Senator McMillan, that's very good news. I am most appreciative. Well, Mr. McKim, I guess you can go to work. That's a very exciting prospect, Mr. President. Since most of my estimates were made very hastily, I'll want to go over the building slowly and thoroughly and make my plans. Add as much beauty to it as you can, Mr. McKim. This building must stand for something to the country and to the world, for here our own people come and here the representatives of other nations gather. This house must have dignity and beauty. And at the same time, simplicity. But it mustn't cost too much money, Mr. McKim. Well, now you're beginning to take the joy out of it. Well, we're all bargain shoppers, Mr. McKim. And in case, in a case like this, the Senate has to be the biggest bargain shopper of all. Every housewife in the land will have her eye on us. Especially me. Uh, I'll do my best. <laughs> well, Mr. McKim, give it beauty. Because here the hearth fires of the nation must burn. This is the heart and the home of the nation. So give it beauty, Mr. McKim. In just a moment, we'll come back to Edward Arnold and Mr. President. Today, our strength and leadership in world affairs depend upon continuing teamwork among Americans of different races, creeds, and national backgrounds. When racial and religious antagonisms arise... This teamwork is destroyed. Our nation is weakened. Racial and religious tension in America also provides ammunition for hostile propaganda, enabling other countries to claim that for all its economic and military power, America is internally weak. Hatred and strife among Americans are offered as proof that democracy has failed and that freedom cannot be made to work in the modern world. Now, in contrast, an America that demonstrates that men of different races, religions, and national origins can be united in freedom provides an example to other nations. It may not be possible to completely eliminate prejudice from nature. We can, however, recognize group antagonisms for what they are and fight them. And now back to Edward Arnold and Mr. President. Have you guessed who the president was when all this happened? It really did happen, so listen closely. The plans for the improvements in the executive mansion were made and the work begun. There were a great many problems involved. Good morning, Mr. President. Oh, come in, Mr. McKim. How are things going? Well, we're moving ahead as fast as we're able, Mr. Mm -hmm. President. Of course, it isn't easy. Are you able to work with all the noise of construction going on around you? Concentration is all it takes, Mr. McKim. Concentration. I must say, we have the newspapers upset, though. I think there have been more editorials condemning me for ordering those greenhouses torn down than there have been over any of my policies. Mr. President, I have the final figures on what it's going to cost to fix the building up, including the repairs, the additions, and some basic furniture, but not including any ornaments or anything like that. Mm -hmm, I see. Is it going to run much over 150000 Well, uh... How do you feel today? I feel fine. What's the figure? $369,050. What did you say? I said... 
Well, you heard what I said. But that's over twice the amount the Senate agreed to. Yes, I know, and I've been over and over the figures, and that's cutting every single corner. As a matter of fact, we really should have an additional $100,000 for furniture. Well, you must have made a mistake in your estimates or something. No, 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 I haven't. And that's a minimum, believe me. There isn't an extra dollar in there to pay for extras or to pay anyone for the extra hurry in which we're asking them to do the job. Well, send the bad news to the Senate. See what they say about it. They'll probably fire both of us. I do think you ought to consider living somewhere else while all this noise is going on. Oh, I'm used to noise. Mr. Perlison, are you managing the boys this week or shall I? Oh, I'm handling them. We're doing fine. They haven't been in any trouble for 24 hours. Oh? Well, there's a workman here who wants to speak to you. Huh? Well, send him in. Mr. President? Yes. No, Mr. President, I'm sorry to bother you, but your wife said it was you I should be speaking to. About what? About them boys. Well, what about them? Now, Mr. President, if you want any work done in this house, you'll have to do something about them boys. What have they done? Well, it ain't that I mind their questions, you know. I don't mind answering 500 times a day what I'm doing and why I'm doing it and why I don't do it some other way. I can stand that. Oh, I see. And I can even stand them hiding my tools. It ain't easy, but I can stand it. But when it comes to having paste poured on top of my head, I draw the line. Oh? And when it has, comes to having my wood cut for me while I'm eating my lunch, I draw the line. I see. And when it comes to having me tax strewn all about on the floor, then, then I really become a wee bit cross, Mr. President. So if it wouldn't be asking too much... I would appreciate it if someone would nail him up in a closet someplace until I finish my job, Mr. President. My dear... I'll let... send the boys to you right away, Mr. President. Uh. Boys, now I'm really angry. But really angry. What'd you say, Father? What did you say, Mr. President? I said I'm doggone mad, and I am. Oh. Oh. Uh-oh. What did you say? We said oh, and uh-oh. Uh-oh is more to the point. Uh, what makes you so naughty lately? There isn't anything to do. So we try to find something to do. Yeah, to do. Now, this time I have really got to be firm. You have annoyed the workmen, you have impeded the progress of their job, and you have caused them a great deal of annoyance. Therefore, I must sentence you. To death? No, not to death. Oh. But I don't want you boys running around this building anymore. Until further notice, you are not to come here. And son, you are not to leave the ground. The workmen are stopping for lunch. Never mind the workmen. Now I want you all to go to your homes and meditate upon the errors of your ways. I don't like to have to talk to you like this, but something has to be done. Well, we don't like to have you talk to us like this, Father. No, we don't. Not a bit. In fact, I guess we'd be happier if we never had to come to this office. It used to be fun to come. But now it's like we're marching to the guillotine. Oh, if you'd only behave yourself. It's very difficult to be the son of a president, Father. You really can't do anything without getting in trouble. Well, you couldn't do the things you've been doing if you weren't the son of a president. Well, maybe not. But if you weren't president, then maybe those things wouldn't be around to do. Well, if I have to go to my room, I might as well go. Goodbye, men. Goodbye. Goodbye. Maybe we can get together if my father loses the election. Goodbye, Mr. President. <laughs> Goodbye, Mr. 
President. Goodbye, boys. Now, this isn't permanent, you know. That's all right, Father. Don't apologize. Apologize? <laughs> You know, I feel like I've murdered them. I know. They'll do it to you every time if they can get away with it. They don't like to come to my office anymore. To them, it means the place where they get punished. And I mean that... Uh, my dear, I think you should manage them from now on. I think you're m much better at controlling them. Oh, do you? Yes. You mean from now on you want me to be the villain? Well, after all, I, I do have to run the country, so perhaps you'd better... <sighs> well, the other crew is starving. Oh, I give up, I give up. I can't concentrate with all that noise going on. We're just going to have to move out until the reconstruction is finished. Oh, all right, Mr. President. I'll make arrangements at once. Do you think the reconstruction is going on, though? The Senate has to approve that money, don't they? Yes. Well, we'll know about that in a day or two if they don't approve it. We aren't going to have much of a place to live. Mr. President, the Senate committee has approved the estimates, and they have also approved the extra $100,000 for the furniture. That's very good news, Senator McMillan. Thank you. Thank you very much, sir. The Senate agrees with your original statement, Mr. President, that this house must have beauty. We want to be as proud of our president's home as we are of our president. Thank you, sir. Those are very kind words, Senator McMillian. Oh, excuse me a moment, will you? Certainly. Oh, son. Oh, son. Yes, father? We're going to move to another house for a short time while the work is being finished on this one. So I don't know of any reason why you and your gang can't come over to the new house. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you. Well, why don't you go over and tell them? It's all right to leave the grounds? Sentence commuted. Oh, thank you, Father. I'm going right now. You <laughs> know, my dear, it isn't as easy being the president and the husband and the father as it may seem. But you're wonderful at all three, darling. Much as I love to tease you, I must tell you... You're wonderful at all three. Well, you've probably figured out by now who the president was when all that happened. It really did happen, you know, and you'll have the answer in just a moment. Recently, I saw a group of little girls playing nurse. They were bustling about in tiny starched uniforms, and believe me, their dolls were getting wonderful care. And as I watched, I wondered how many of them will go into nursing when they grow up. You see, if conditions are as they are now when they choose careers, one out of every 12 should enter nursing. Right now, the demand for nurses is greater than ever. A young lady in nursing receives a professional education, works with fine doctors, and helps humanity. Upon graduation, she's eligible to become a registered nurse, which opens doors to many exciting fields. If you're a girl who's been graduated from high school recently, or will be soon, go to your nearest hospital today. Find out about nursing as a career for you. And now, back to Edward Arnold. Well, it's finished, Mr. President. 
What do you think of it? Mr. McKim, I think you've done a magnificent job. I'm completely speechless. I really am. You have created a magnificent building for your country, Mr. McKim. One that all Americans may look upon with pride and sentiment. You will be remembered for this beautiful tribute you have paid to your country. Thank you, sir. It's something for a man to remember. That he helped build a home for America's presidents. And that he helped build a home for President... Theodore Roosevelt. Be with us again next week, won't you, for another interesting story that happened in Washington a few years ago to Mr. President. Until then, goodbye. This program is produced and directed by Joe Graham. Edward Arnold can currently be seen in the MGM picture, Annie, Get Your Gun. Heard with Mr. Arnold in today's cast were Ann Seymour, Arnold Moss, Eric Dressler, Ivan Curry, Butch Cavell, and Alan Shea, and your narrator, Jackson Beck. Mr. President was created by Robert G. Jennings and is written by Gene Holloway. Today's story was based on incidents in the life of President Theodore Roosevelt. <laughs> Be sure to listen again next week when the American Broadcasting Company and its affiliated stations bring you Edward Arnold with another interesting and factual story of Mr. President. The preceding was transcribed. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company.